0: Well, welcome back to our Bible study, week five, uh, as we looked at the prayers of Habakkuk. And I would guess that most of us have gone through seasons of life when we didn't understand what God was doing, uh, we didn't understand why he was working the way he was, or, or maybe he felt silent. Times when we just wondered, am I going to have the strength to get through this? I remember when I was 17 years old, uh, I we were home asleep that morning, and it was a month before my graduation from high school, and I heard my dad collapse in the room next door, and he died of a massive heart attack that morning. He was, had passed away before the ambulance even came to get him. And I remember sitting out on the back steps of our house, and I was crying and talking to God and saying, God, what am I going to do? I don't know how to get through this. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to have the strength to get through this losing my dad and I'm only 17 years old. And some of you have, have been there in these hard places where you just didn't understand what God was doing and if you were going to have the strength to get through. I know for some of you, uh, you've lost loved ones, uh, a spouse well early before you ever thought you'd lose them. You've lost children or you've had to, to watch your parents age and just see them decline in their health. Uh, Some of you have struggled with marital issues or a wayward child. Some of you are dealing with disease, fighting cancer and other things, and you're wondering, God, how am I going to get through this? Where am I going to find the strength to get through this? So how do we find strength? when we find ourselves in those challenging times when we're asking God, why? What am I going to do? And God, it doesn't make sense. Well, that's what I want to talk about with you today. How do we find strength in those times? And so as we look at the book of Habakkuk, I want to point out three things from his story that we can do to be strengthened in those times that we don't understand why and why God is working the way he is. And so the first thing is that we wrestle with God, and we see that in Habakkuk 1. Now, I know some of you are saying, but well, I don't think wrestling with God is necessarily a godly response, and I understand that because I used to think that too, that I can't complain to God, I can't tell God, you know, argue with God, and yet we see throughout Scripture and we've studied a lot of these prayers of Job Job. And David, and here in Habakkuk, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, in a sense, was wrestling with God when he said, can we change the plan? Is there a way? Can you take this cup from me? Wrestling with God is something we see throughout Scripture. It is good for us because God can work in us. These men who wrestled with God in in the Word, they came away strengthened. And so can we as we wrestle with God. Well, this was a, a dark time in the history of Judah. Uh, as I mentioned in your study, uh, I believe, I take the view that Jehoiakim was king of Judah at this time. It was a dark time. They weren't following God. They were going their own way. And that was his, his complaint. And in verse 2, chapter 1, he begins to, to cry out to God. And he's wrestling with God. And he says, God, how long will I call for help and you won't hear I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. And he goes on and he describes the time of that day of what's going on. There's strife, there's contention. The law is being ignored. Justice isn't being upheld. You know, as I've read that this week, I've thought, this could be a description of what is going on today in our country. Violence. Nobody's paying attention to the law. You can go and loot and riot and burn things down and, oh, it's okay. You're, you're free. You're just protesting. I mean, that's how he felt during that time as they were sinning and doing their own thing and, and he felt like God wasn't doing anything. God, where are you in this? Why are you silent? And so God answered him in verses 5 to 11. And his response to him in verse 5 is, Look among the nations. In other words, look around the world and what's going on. The Babylonians are coming to rule, and they're they're crushing all these nations. But I want you to observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days you would not believe it if you were told. In verse 6, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous people. God was doing something. He had a plan. He was going to raise up the Chaldeans, another name for the Babylonians. He was going to raise them up to judge, to chasten, to punish Judah for their sins. And he goes through details in the coming verses just about how bad the Babylonians and what they're doing to the nations. But he he gives a a promise there in verse 11 when he says, but they will be held guilty, they whose strength is their God. In other words, he's saying, yes, they're going to come in for a while and they're going to swoop down and they're going to take over, but one day I'm going to hold them guilty. That is what I'm doing. That is my plan. So then he moves, verses 12 to 17, he moves into... Uh, wrestling with God again, and, and he starts by focusing on God's character. And I've said this all along in this study. You're going to hear me say those words, that phrase, that sentence. Focus on God's character. That's what he did here, starting in verse 12. God, are you not from everlasting? Oh, Lord, my God, the Holy One? We will not die. He's referring to God's faithfulness to his covenant with Abraham. That He's not going to destroy his people off the face of the earth. He said, God, you have appointed them to judge. You have established them to correct. He's he's focusing on his sovereignty. But this is where he wrestles with God and he says, but God, I'm having trouble lining up your actions with your character. They're, They're not matching. I mean, God, he says in verse 13, your eyes are too pure to approve evil. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? He's, he's saying, God, I don't understand. You are a holy God. How can you use these horrible people with all the sins they're committing? How can you use them to judge and chasten us? Yes, we're sinners, but we're not as bad as they are. I don't understand your plan. How can a holy God Use an unholy people to correct your people. God, I I don't understand. That's what he was saying. He was wrestling with God. I've said those very words many times God, I don't understand what you're doing or why. You know, for years I wrestled with my singleness, I wrestled with God. I thought I would grow up, get married, have kids, grandkids, like everybody else does. But, and I wrestled with God for years of, God, why are you leaving me as a single person? And I would argue with God and say, listen, if, if you brought my husband, we could serve you together and we could just give our lives together to serve you. God, I don't understand why you're leaving me. Why do you want me to be single? But during those years of wrestling with God, he brought me to a place of, of seeing that Okay, God, I understand you want me for yourself. You want me to be undistracted and be totally devoted to you. I I accept it, Lord, that you're saying you can use me more effectively as a single person than if I were married with a family, and I accept that. But I had to wrestle with God over that first. I think we're all wrestling with God about different things from time to time. I've wrestled with them about tragedies that we see on the news, whether it was back at 9-11 or just shootings in schools and churches. You know, I've wrestled with God over natural disasters, uh, hurricanes, uh, tornadoes, wildfires. I've wrestled with God about the coronavirus. God, why? When is this ever going to end? I'm wrestling today with just what is going on in our country, wrestling with God, why are you allowing this? I, I feel like I so relate to what Habakkuk was saying. God, why? Wrestling with God brings us to a place of deeper dependence with God. And it is good for us to wrestle with God. It's a, he brings us to a place of deeper intimacy with him as we wrestle. And even though it seems like God is not doing anything, that he's not even around or involved, God is very much at work carrying out his perfect plan, even though it may not make sense to us or it seems like he's silent. So the first thing we need to do is wrestle with God. The second thing we can do is wait on God. We see that in chapter 2 of backup. You know, Habakkuk had wrestled with God. He told God what he was feeling, and then he waited for God. We see first in verse 1 how he, he waited for God's response. He said, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. And, and whether he was literally going to the guard post or whether this was just figurative speech and, and giving a picture of how he was that watchful as if he was on the guard post, He's waiting for God's response, and sometimes we have to wait for God's response to show us what he's doing. And then in verse 2, God gave him his plan. He called it his vision. He told him, he said, record the vision, inscribe it on tablets, and that the one who reads it may run. God told him that he had a plan, and and he told him what the plan was. I mean, you're going to be taken captive by the Babylonians, but that's not going to happen today. It's in the future, and you're going to have to wait for it. And then one day, as he had said back in in chapter 1, verse 11, that they will be held guilty. One day, I am going to judge them, and I'm going to destroy the Babylonians. But it's not going to happen immediately. You're not going to be restored back to Jerusalem immediately. It's going to be 70 years. I mean, you're going to have to wait. And then the people waited for the coming Messiah that was part of God's plan for redemption. And today, we're waiting for his return when he comes and makes his final judgment and sets all things right. Waiting is part of this process. And he's telling Habakkuk, you know, in verse 3, the vision is yet for the appointed time. It's in the future. It's going to be according to my perfect timing. It hastens towards the goal. It will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. And then in verse 4, he contrasts the Babylonians as the proud one. Uh, his soul is not right within them with the righteous. And he says, the righteous will live by faith. And he's saying, listen, Habakkuk, you all are going to have to trust me in this. It will happen. I will chasten Judah, but I will punish the Babylonians later. You're going to have to walk by faith and trust me. And then in verses 5 to 19, he just begins to describe the Chaldean sins And he does it in the form of woes, and he goes on about, you know, woe is the one who does this. And so he he just kind of describes all the Babylonian sins. And then in verse 20, he, he has another contrast here. Right before that, in verses 18 and 19, he's talking about how they're idolaters, how they have these idols that have no life, no breath. And then in verse 20, it says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. He is saying that I am the true God. I am not a lifeless idol who's made out of wood. I am the sovereign God alive in his temple. And I will ultimately make things right. Be silent. Stand back. Revere me. Watch me. Watch me work. You know, waiting is hard. I don't know about you, I have trouble waiting. I don't like waiting at red lights. I don't like waiting at checkout lines in the store. I don't even like waiting in my kitchen for the microwave to finish cooking my microwave dinner. I don't like waiting. But those seasons of waiting are not wasted time in God's economy. God uses those seasons of waiting in our life for good. He uses them, and and let me just give you a a few ways that God uses waiting. Um, One is that waiting moves us to pray because that's what we're thinking about. All we're thinking about is what we're waiting for. I mean, whether it's that, that phone call with the diagnosis of tests we've had done at the doctor or whether we're waiting for God to reconcile this relationship or we're waiting for a decision that we've been asking God to give us a yes. Is it going to be a yes or a no? And when we're waiting, we're, we're moved to pray about it. It's on our mind all the time. And God, I'm, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for this answer. I'm praying for this. It moves us to pray during the time of waiting. But also God uses waiting a second way is that he uses waiting to prepare my heart for his answer. He works in me as I am praying during the waiting time and he prepares me so that I, I, I'm ready for his answer when he shows me what he's going to do. So the first two things that we can do to be strengthened in those times of question, we wrestle with God, and then we wait on God. And then the third thing is that we worship God, and we see that in chapter 3. This was a, a, a time of prayer. Uh, chapter 3 is... is really a hymn of praise. It's more than a prayer, but there is prayer in there. And in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I fear. Now, most scholars believe that when he says, I've heard the report about you, he's saying, I have heard what you've said. I've heard the plan that you have laid out about how you're going to deal with Judah's sins in Babylon. I've heard that. And I fear. But literally, that word, fear, is translated, "I stand in awe of you. I am going to watch you work, God." And then he asks for two things in his prayer—only two things—in verse two in his prayer. He says, "Revive your work in the midst of the years." In other words, he's saying, "Lord, I know how you have worked with the the Israelites over the years." And I'm asking you to do it again, Lord. Let me see your power. The way you worked with the, on behalf of the Israelites, let me see your power in this situation. Revive your work in the midst of these years, these years referring to the Babylonian captivity and then the time of destruction of Babylon. Let me see your power. And the second thing he prayed for, remember mercy in wrath, remember mercy. God, as you're judging, have mercy on us. That was the two things he prayed for. And then in verses 3 through 19, he wrote a hymn of praise. And in those verses, he recalls everything that God had done. From when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, through the wilderness, into the promised land, he he recalled all of God's might. And by remembering all that God had done, it gave him confidence that God could do that for them today. And when we remember and recall all that God has done in our lives, it gives us confidence to know that God can work again today in, with us. So then the last part of chapter 3, verses 16 to 19, he ends with a prayer of worship. And I love, just I think we're all familiar with this prayer, but he, he says uh, in verse 16, I heard... My inward uh, parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones. In my place, I tremble. Because I must wait patiently. I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. He's he's starting out and saying, God, I'm a little scared. I tremble at what's going to happen. I have to wait for that day when you're going to bring the Babylonians in. Can you imagine how hard it would be to know what was coming, and you had to wait for it. I'm really glad that we don't know what's coming. I'm, I'm glad we don't know what's going to happen next month or next year because I think it would make it so much harder to know it's coming, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. But that's where he was, and he said, but then instead of moaning and groaning, He praises God and says that his famous prayer of praise, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olives should fail and the field produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. He is saying that God, no matter how bad things get, I will praise you. I will worship you no matter what happens. And can we say that today as we are facing uncertain times? God, no matter how bad things get, no matter what happens in the coming weeks with this upcoming election, no matter what happens after the elections, no matter what happens in our country, I will exalt in you. I will praise you. That's exactly what he did. And that's how we find strength. And he goes on and he says in verse 19, The Lord God is my strength. That is where our strength lies in God. That's how we are strengthened in these times of uncertainty, not by putting our faith in a person, a leader, we put our faith in our God. We wrestle with Him, yes. But we wait on Him to work. And then we worship Him. I hope you did the assignment. I, I, I shared part of my prayer as I rewrote this prayer even though there's no toilet paper in the grocery stores, and even though this and this and this. We need to be saying this every day Lord, even though this happens, I will exalt. In you. We are going to go through challenging times. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen in this election. We don't know the future of our country. But we know our God and we can wrestle with Him, wait on Him, worship Him. He is our strength. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much that you are in control and that you have never once taken your eyes off of what's going on in our world. You are very much involved, Lord, even though we may feel that you're silent or that you're allowing evil to prevail over good. But, Lord, no matter what happens in the coming months and the coming years, I pray that we would be faithful to just come to you and wrestle with you with our, and be honest with you about our feelings. And Lord, that we would not try to get ahead of you and fix things, but we'd wait on you. And most of all, Lord, I pray that we would be women who worship you, no matter what is going on around us. Thank you, God, that we can find our strength in you in those times that we just don't understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, giving you a virtual hug and goodbye.